Jim Joyce. Happy Wednesday, man. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Big day today. Big day. It, it, every Wednesday is a big day because uh, I get to see you. And I didn't, <laughs> you know. But anyway, um, but also uh, congratulations to Emmy and all of the Italians. I didn't watch yeah. the game myself, but I woke up. You know, to to some of that news. So to the good news, yeah, yeah, no big yeah. big news. It's it's gonna. It looks like it's gonna be England, Italy. It's it's a real Brexit Euro match. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, you... I'm drinking a Nutella Italian soccer team. <laughs> drink oh, interesting. In, in celebration. I, yeah. I'm, I may actually have. So right now I am doing this, and no, we're Lovely. not getting paid by them. But I may switch to this. Because, uh, you know, the Lovely. happy days, I'm actually picking up my, uh, my wonderful girls coming in from Spain tonight. So, oh, fantastic. Uh, so that's exciting. I also have Very a surprise good. for you. What's this? Surprise, man. Tell me. You know how we're meticulously unproduced and we just do this for ourselves and our own mental health? <laughs> um, uh, so we now, thanks to the Health Podcast Network and Dan Kendall, we actually have a sponsor that I need to read out today. So, <laughs> and with all those millions um, I'm going to make on this. <laughs> so we're Dan, in business. We are in business, finally, after a year and a half or so. So I'm going to read this out real quick. It's actually for a great, great, great cause, um, okay. which is what, what part of it was I, I, I said yes to. So this is actually... Um, a sponsor, the sponsor is Health Resources and Services Administration. It's a US government organization. And okay. um, part of that is, uh, and I'm gonna just read it out. So if you would like to help communities recover from opioid epidemic, and if you okay. said yes, which I think most of us probably would, um, and so that's the key part, you're actually a behavioral health professional or paraprofessional, then Jim and I have news for you. You can actually receive up to a <laughs> 250,000 in student loan repayment in exchange for a service in community disproportionately affected by this opioid crisis. Um, and I know it's called an epidemic. Uh, I don't think it's been upgraded to a pandemic. Uh, and this is off script here, but I think it's absolutely a great cause here. So yeah. to learn more and apply, which needs to happen by July 22nd, um, join STAR LRP, that stands for Substance Use Disorder Treatment and Recovery okay. Loan Repayment Program. And okay. you can go, and we'll, we'll add this to the show link, um, you can visit bhw.hrsa.gov to learn more. That's bhw, as in Behavioral <laughs> Health Workforce, .hrsa.gov. Apply by July 22nd, and this is a great cause, and the world needs you. Love it. Love it. So 250 grand. I love it. So 250 grand. If you're a behavioral coach or academic, you can get 250 grand towards your fees or towards your, your recovery of your loans. Or uh, You will have to go to that website to find out more. So it's, uh, okay. you uh, need to be a behavioral health professional or a paraprofessional as it's defined. So I'm sure there are other things that are on the website that will disqualify you or qualify you for it, but right. Uh, for those digital health peeps that are watching this, please direct. This is much needed in, in U.S. and the world. And with that, um, completely switching gears and hopping over to Germany, we have actually a good. Uh, open the window. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have. I'm, you know, I'm back in the in the good old garage, and I, uh, right, right. Know, it's I'm like the... thirty plus degrees. Oh, nice! <laughs> I forgot to ask where you're at, actually. 
yeah, yeah, in Italy here in my mother-in-law's place, but it's a bit roasting. Remember we, the, um, so if I start to sweat, it's not because I'm nervous. No, no worries, <laughs> that's why I have the fan here. So I don't think you will get nervous in front of this guy, Eckhart, um, Eckhart Weber. So let me uh, let him in. I think I, I, so I, I know Eckhart, I've definitely hey, met him before. Yeah, okay. he, uh, Heart, Heart Labs, right? Is that? Uh, Heart Beat Labs, there we go. We're already talking about you Eckhart, welcome. Hey, Hi, hello. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. Thanks. Nice to see you. I see you too. And Harpy Labs was right. Yes, yes, yes. That was that was the, the one before you capital. Okay. <laughs> and then we <laughs> met back then. I remember that. Okay, yeah, good. We met we met we met in Berlin, right? Did we? We uh, have a yes, mutual exactly. friend with uh, the Elkstone guys, one of my investors. Yes. Right, right. So good to see you again. Happy Wednesday. Cool. Yeah, so, same here. Happy Wednesday. So Eckhart and I, you know, obviously living in Berlin, we sort of crossed each other's in path, paths, you know, in different events, but I don't think I ever spoke until I was actually exiting fire. So we met a couple of years back now, a year and a half-ish, almost two years ago. Kept in touch. Uh, love what they've been doing with Heal Capital and, and KOLing out there. We'll, we'll get into some of that. <laughs> um, but maybe just uh, tell us and millions of our viewers. And by the way, we took a little bit longer to let you in. We had our first sponsorship that I had to read out. You'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll look at it and listen to it later. Uh, so this meticulously unproduced is paying off. Hope it pays well. <laughs> big money. Right, we'll, we'll, fi we'll find out. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> big money. Big money. <laughs> it's not a VC investment, uh, Eckhart, uh, into this. Let's put it that way. But uh, tell, you know, tell us a little bit how your journey to now Heal Capital and your background. And, you know, I don't want to spoil it for our viewers by giving you a 30 second my pitch of you. So, no, no, happy. So, but I hope uh, you know, I try, try to also be, be quick on it. No, and thanks for having me. I think really cool show, by the way. I really love uh, talking to you in general anyway. So, so looking forward to tonight and, and cheers to the beer already. Um, so yeah, just briefly on myself. So actually, just just today was asked by a founder as well. Like 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 well, it tells the story, right? So so why what are you adventuring in healthcare? Can and, you help and, us, really? Yes, it's like like who would do that? And so just actually, I was like, yeah, my family is all doctors there and here and pharmacists, and I was actually counting, yeah, father, uncle, uncle, aunt, grandpa. But what did I do? Well, I, I was like, no, I study law. So yeah, big bummer, uh, immediately not a conversa conversation starter. But anyway, I um, learned pretty fast that I, I also don't like practicing law and, and uh, moved to Berlin. I was back in Munich, um, but came to Berlin because Berlin, I guess, is the, the, at least in Germany, uh, still number one for software um, companies. And yeah, I joined the ecosystem here, actually started out in FinTech and IntroTech. I uh, helped build up a couple of companies there, um, had tremendous fun, learned so much. And I think uh, then at some point realized that passion uh, is actually still in something related to healthcare. Uh, and uh, I felt like maybe it's the right time. That was 2017. And then uh, yeah, we started Heartbeat Labs and it has been a fun ride since. Um, and then we had the chance to um, basically raise a venture capital fund. So Heartbeat Labs was more a company building type of uh, entity, uh, starting a couple of 
companies in telemedicine, but also investing some early smaller tickets. Anyway, then we had the chance to raise your capital and, and, and I decided uh, let's move to um, to the investor side only. And and it, yeah, it's, it's amazing fun. And I think it all comes back to, and I guess the same for you, I guess curiosity in learning about new things. It's, it's like, I think what, what brings us to those places, either as an entrepreneur or as an investor in, in, in software and technology. And yeah, I love being here. So you, awesome. you can probably save some money with uh, the law degree to some of the startups. <laughs> right, 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 <laughs> you can, right. You can finally apply. I mean, you know. Uh, right. Is it like a two for one deal if the entrepreneurs <laughs> go for you and they get like a. <laughs> that's how we do it, right? But yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I think that's actually those costs. Uh, I was recently asked also about that again. Like, so, okay, that's a cost position for legal fees. Uh, like, I mean, in the end, it's still standard, right? I guess like law. NPC, by the way, still has to be disrupted by technology as well. So let's see how that turns out. Uh, actually, mm. funny, funny joke I recently heard is about like a VC asking a, a, a doctor like, "When will the when will an AI replace you?" And and uh, doctor replies, "Yeah, I think uh, um, I think before it replaces me, it replaces you, right? Because I think VC <laughs> is also uh, like." A, data and pattern recognition game. So anyway, um, no, law uh, should be disrupted. We see, let's, let's talk about that soon. Awesome. Love it. That, that's that's going to be on the shot of law lawyer health. <laughs> Legal I health. I don't know. That, that, that's, that's, our next, that's our next vertical. I, I don't know. but uh, We're just going to call that suits. <laughs> suits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fun show, by the way. Fun show, right? <laughs> So what, um, I mean, as you guys were getting cranking on, on Heal Capital, right, um, what was there an initial thesis that as it was getting set up, or did you guys sort of like morph it as you were going along? Um, you know, maybe tell us a little bit of the journey of getting that set up in Germany and, 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 and the focus there. Yeah, sure. So I guess on, on a high level, the thesis was there early on and it's still there. And I'd say the thesis is, is, I think, the biggest opportunity in healthcare. Uh, innovation lies in where software and technology meet. Uh, so, sorry, software and healthcare meet, or uh, healthcare and technology meet. And we, we felt that, I mean, most innovation healthcare used to be more on the, say, biotech, biopharma side of things, or on the medtechy, often hardware-driven side of things. But on the software side, I think there's still a lot of things that haven't happened in healthcare yet. And if we look at the, let's say, funding environment, we see a lot of life science or medtech focused funds and a lot of tech funds. And, and like the one doesn't really like maybe healthcare regulatory and, and evidence-based uh, approaches. And the other one maybe doesn't like software as much as it prefers, let's say, biotech. And, and, and uh, I mean, big opportunity, maybe not too many funds already really targeting that opportunity for us was clear, like we have to target that. And then we were lucky enough to have quite some interesting conversations with our LP base. Uh, which is uh, only insurance companies um, uh, all have also a German private health insurance business, but most of them are actually international players as well. Um, and yeah, they, they said actually, yeah, we, we also see that opportunity and we want to support it. We want to be basically enabler for the ecosystem. And um, in the end, after a couple of discussions, I think independent venture capital fund uh, was the outcome and not like any corporate strategic investments. And yeah, that became your yeah. capital. And uh, so, and that, level i'd say stayed the same but happy to dive deeper into what we've learned so far and all the evolving topics because i mean every right. day there's new insights are, are you early or are you series a or where do you get where do you sit in the hole 
Yeah, and maybe also, yeah, uh, and that, I guess, has has changed a little bit. So we started out and, and felt like we probably enter around Series A stage. So just maybe quick numbers there, 100 million euro fund, uh, uh, two to three million initial ticket size um, as uh, as our entry ticket. And we felt that that could be probably be Series A. And I guess we've all seen how the market has been developing the last couple of years. The round sizes get bigger, the valuations get higher. Everybody's moving. That's, early, that's uh, like pre-seed now. That's pre-seed that's like now. It, that's like if you have like a, if you have a thought, if you come out of the bathroom and you have like a notion or a thought, that's like a two or three million. <laughs> I'm noticing I'm talking to entrepreneur to two entrepreneurs here. Of course, that's, I wouldn't call it pre-seed, but I, yeah, I think you told you right. It's, pre-seed. It's more like a seed. It's now a seed round, right? So I guess, <laughs> right. uh, and so we, I, I would say probably our portfolio is now around 70% seed and then 30% series A, whatever, initial ticket right. sizes. But yeah, um, and that on our stage. And um, so early stage, I guess we, we love to also start to talk people uh, to people and teams very early, just understand like what they're trying to build and then enter whenever we feel comfortable. And I usually would say product market fit, but we also know that that often comes far later in healthcare uh, than we, we wanted to come. And then I guess like, we just look for other good data points that show us it's just more than a team and a, and a slide deck. Yep. Right. And, ge- and geography wise, because I remember before it got officially started, there was a, all these discussions around, well, it is in Germany, it's for the German market. Uh, but to your point, some of your LPs are pretty global players. So curious where you guys landed with that. Yeah, also, I think important. So we can fill your pipeline of all the startups that are watching the show. I, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you're struggling forward. with that. Yeah. Uh, well, I think the pipeline can always be bigger, right? Top of funnel, always as, as large as possible. Um, and so Europe is our key market. In that right. sense, we actually have done two um, North American investments, uh, which I think had special angles to it, um, uh, why we did them, but core market is Europe. Um, uh, and I think the one objective we always look for, giving also the, it makes sense that what we can bring to the table is at some point, I think the solution should also benefit the, the German patient at some point in time, but it doesn't have to be right now. It doesn't have to be a German team, not at all. Um, and, and therefore, I guess Europe is a, is a good, good geography. And building off of that, like just because we have we have a lot of people coming in, and you know, we talk a lot about launching health technology companies in Europe, and you know what market do you start with? When do you go to the U.S.? Do you go to other European markets? So we as always ask people like their view on that. But I, the the question I really want to ask you is like, you know, for if you're a German health tech company, when do you go to the U.S.? Like how deep do you go? Because Germany is such a big market. I, I yeah, and I, I think. Let's look at maybe examples there, right? Kaya Health, I think one of the most well-known digital health company from Germany, uh, I think has core focus US, right? Um, And so I think there are some companies who actually um, intentionally leave out the German market to a certain degree at least and uh, immediately focus on the US market. Um, I think if if you have the ability to do that, I think the US market is just so large. Yes, uh, support that as well. But overall, I think um, the German market or the European markets in general, especially, of course, England, France, Nordics, Spain, Italy, maybe, um, I think are in itself also effective markets. And what we have to achieve also as an I don't know, ecosystem of entrepreneurs and investors to enable companies to then maybe hop from one market to the others. Because I think, yes, Kaya is a great example for a positive US expansion. I think there are a lot of companies who try and fail 
who burn a lot of money and they might have had a better shot in the European markets. Uh, and uh, I mean, a lot of VCs, also non-European VCs, look at European companies because they see so much value there. Um, but yeah, maybe also love to get your opinion. Like, like how do you look at that? Uh, I, I really believe in the European markets, but um, we have to uh, facilitate it more to jump from, let's say, Germany to, to England, to Sweden, to wherever. I think it's fascinating. Like I'm, because I start my companies in Ireland, I, I, I have to build them for export. You know, I don't have a big domestic mm. market. I just have kind of a market for kind of early scale experimentation, you know, maybe some access, access to some big uh, international pharmaceutical clients. And then I got to get out right away. You know, I have to move really quickly. So in some ways it's almost like that's the, and, and they, for the most part, the Irish speak English. So the fact that I don't have to translate anything, you know, to get into the, um, you know, into the, the markets. But I, but if I was in Germany, I could imagine just getting like swamped in a really exciting market and then putting off the push to the US, right? Like, you know, because it is an exciting but, but I, market. But I think in, in health tech, it, I think it depends where you're falling in with your innovation in the value chain, right? Um, um, <clears throat> because there are certain things, I mean, let's take, I would love to actually dive and get your thoughts uh, on, on Diga, right? So there's many German companies on that list with their products great it's been approved great there's pricing set right great it's 90 million you know and customers potentially right uh, for it <clears throat> where's the where's the traction versus and again i'm not saying versus in one way or the other but let's take big health started in uk hopped over to us doing pretty well in the employer market you know forget about fda forget about diga forget about any of that right that doesn't mean they won't maybe come back so um, I, I just think scaling, it depends on the problem you're trying to solve within that value chain of a particular country and a particular vertical. Now, I, I would fully agree to that. I think it really depends uh, um, on that. And in terms of DIGA, I believe we are establishing uh, an environment in Germany that actually can make it very attractive to basically yeah, earn your, uh, let's say, first couple of... Uh, I don't know, thousands, hundreds of thousand customers in Germany, and then take that as a as a as a base to jump off to um, larger markets or other markets. And so I think it's yeah, again, I guess building about the, building out this ecosystem. But I guess Diga, there are so many other things we can discuss about that, right? So happy to do that. But maybe la last question, uh, there to you: uh, Do you go left or right? So do you go to the US or to um, to uh, to the UK actually as expansion plan? I, oh, question to Jim, because yeah. yeah, for me, for me, um, yeah, it's a it's a good question. I, I feel more comfortable. I think the translation into the UK market really depends on the product. But I like to take these kind of, you know, considered bounces to the new, you know, to these new markets. So like I'm probably exploring them simultaneously as I have traction in the okay. market and seeing where the openings are. I, I think that mm -hmm. if I can get the openings, then then um, you know, I'm pretty agnostic. You know, I'm, I'm running towards the UK or the US. You know, um, that's how I look at it. So not fixed, I guess, would be my short answer. You know, I, I mean, obviously, your coach is a US-based, US-focused company. Um, actually, we had some pull from the UK because the whole health coaching piece is probably right. I don't want to say behind completely, but there's certainly some establishment. But as a young company, we're just saying no, right? Because we just need to focus. The U.S. market is large enough. Now, if I put my sort of 
you know, if I switch back and if I had an entrepreneur hat on in Europe with a European business, this, this is where it shocks me a little bit. It's like, you may get through that seed stage um, and whatever, however you define it these days, but an early market fit. And then some entrepreneurs want to just jump to the next country. And I'm like, why be, why not be the bigger fish in a small pond? Right. And really prove that scale, the scalability, um, and only then approach it. Uh, I think a lot of the European entrepreneurs jump too early. And I don't know if it's the pressures, if it's something that's not working, and it's a bit of like, well, we tried it here, but let's try it here, right? So I just but feel like it, this too. Isn't it VC driven though? It's like it's like where the capital is. Like, like I, I've raised, like my, my current company, we did <clears throat> continental Europe on the back of pharmaceutical companies. So we did Ireland, Netherlands, Belgium, you know, Portugal, um, where else a few other kind of smaller markets and and that was on the back of following pharma but then then the capital you know that was in those markets were more interested in us than say the u.s capital because the u.s capital needs a u.s centricity to it or else they're likely not to invest you know they're likely not to invest so so in order to get the u.s capital you got to be in in the u.s in order to get the german capital you have to kind of be in germany for the most part but I also think, I mean, we see often this game of extremes, right? So either you have the extreme strong traction with U.S. funds who then actually pull you to the U.S. or you have the extreme of, and I think that's what you described, Eugene, is uh, the, 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 the founder who unfortunately tries too much because nothing has really stuck yet, right? So I guess um, that's, that's what we at least often see. And I think that's one of the, I loved also that quote that I recently read. It's like, once you found product market fit, you feel that the rocket is taking off and the bolts are getting loose on the side, right? And if you don't have that feeling, you don't have product market fit yet. And I think a lot of people then believe, well, maybe I find product market fit with another product or with another go-to-market strategy or with another market. And, and I think then, yeah, you, you defocus and that's, that's often Honestly, unfortunately- to me, the, the, it's such an exhilarating feeling when the bolts are just shaking off. This is when you grab that bubble gum and tape and stick it in. Yes. <laughs> and you keep going. Run at it. Run at it. <laughs> so. Exactly. So, yeah, so let's um, talk Diga. Let's go Diga for a sec. So what's happening with Diga? Yeah, so, um, you know, I think also for me, a little bit of a roller coaster um, in the sense of like, amazing that we have it in Germany. Great push by the Ministry of Healthcare. Um, towards oh, how is that really working out they won't be, build big companies and i'd say now i'm somewhere in the middle unfortunately so so not not a clear-cut position yet but maybe just to give it some color so a i think great that we have it right i think it's a, it's a leap of faith like by the healthcare system and i know there's a lot of pushback by the uh, existing system um, still on, on some of the topics there uh, we have i think just yesterday or two days ago two new ones so i think we had the like 13 14 15 number of diggers that are approved now and um i know that some of the diggers make six figure revenues per month now which i think is an is an early nice kind of traction i think there's no seven figure per month bigger yet uh, at least to my knowledge uh, so what i think um it's growing and i mean as we know like sometimes markets today go this and then suddenly it goes almost vertical um, that is all very positive in my view then what got me a little bit more on the downright in the roller coaster was, I guess, there are two main aspects that uh, I think are unproven for me. And those are, A, the topic of distribution at scale, right? Um, like, in the end, there is the usual and, and rightfully so gatekeeper of a doctor deciding what is being prescribed or not. So you have to um, achieve a distribution through that, that channel. 
Um, and then, uh, and there, I think that's like harder and easier depending on the TIGA that you have. So the, the, the most interesting point of, of the distribution. I assume it's always me frozen. <laughs> so, so do I, there you go. Now you're back. Yes. We, you froze right at the most important at uh, the distribution part. So you kind oh, of no. started talking about distribution. I'm sorry, yeah, sorry then. Um, yeah, of course, going back to distribution, yeah, so in the end we have right through so the doctor being the gatekeeper of what gets prescribed. In the end, you have to achieve a distribution through that channel. And I mean, if it's a GP-focused product, we have, I don't know, 27,000 GPs in Germany and 27,000, like, I think, single of, of uh, two-person GPs. So I think that's quite a sales effort and, and probably in terms of customer acquisition costs, it's, it's hard to achieve. So anyway, distribution channel, I think, is, is a major concern, at least for us as investors, that is unsolved yet, like from various perspectives, right? Just getting it into their hand, getting the understanding, getting them to prescribe it, some operational processes. Anyway, so that's distribution. And the other topic um, is, is price negotiation, because after 12 months, just to recap a little bit there, um, the first 12 months, you can set the price yourself. And then there will be a negotiation with the authorities um, uh, in terms of what is the right price. And I think the business cases I've seen probably look at 10 to 20% drop of prices. Um, I think there are voices in the market who rather see 50 to 80% drop in the prices. I'm not sure if we, if we meet in the middle or not, but I guess that has, of course, clear impact on the business case um, that we figure out in the next two, three months when the first diggers will have the 12 month actually done already. Right. So first of all, I just checked because uh, I love exits and outcomes and Brian also tracks them, Brian Dolan. So it's 17 now, that card. Oh, um, yeah, just, but you're right. A few just were added, but we're, we're up to 17. It's an interesting, um, your, your comment around price drop and renegotiate. I mean, at the end of the day, in theory, this is replacing, right? So this is much more self-care. And so this money is coming from somewhere, right? And I think, you know, to your point, if it's making six figures, well, maybe, yes, some people are paying attention, but if it's now making seven or, or even larger at some point, that money has to come from somewhere, right? And most likely from human beings that, you know, I, I guess my question to you, and, and interestingly, I mean, your LPs are insurers, right? Um, as long as it's approved, clinically validated, um, and insurers, I mean, they do see the clinical data. Do you ever see that insurers can do this, again, self-help kind of, I don't want to call them prescription, like in your coach, we call them health prescriptions, right? Um, so maybe I think not there is a route, there is a route uh -huh. actually that, that payers in Germany um, can uh -huh. also basically um, give it to you as a, as, as a customer. So they, then you don't have to go through the, the doctor's route. But my feeling in that regard is that unfortunately there is no established communication really between us as customers and the uh, insurance landscape or payer landscape. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I think DIGA, let's see how it turns out. So my, let's say, long-term view on it is, I think that's all attractive in terms of general businesses that the people are building. The question is, will it flip at some point? And I always called it that the patients actually say, I don't care if you switch out my GP or if you switch out my cardiologist, but leave me my DIGA. Right. If if that right. if there's a point in time where the patient actually says the management of my disease is taken care of primarily by that 
Diga, and everything else right. comes afterwards. The pills I take, the, the 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 doctors I use, it's all. And I think that would be a switch of also strategic power in the market, right? So then it's not maybe the doctor as the, the primary um, uh, decision maker in the process in the patient journey, but maybe a Diga. I don't know if I don't even know if it's achievable. But if it's achieved, I think yeah, kudos. I think then you build really large companies because then you decide about the patient pathway. But, you know, it's set up to, to leave the doctors with that kind of recommendation power at the moment, right? Like, so the doctor is the, you know, I determine as the clinician whether you get the service and thereby determine whether it will be funded or not. So there, this, the dependency feels like it's being, you know, versus say, a, you know, I, I choose it myself and then I'm able to get it. I have an insurance entitlement that's independent of the doctor. So it seems like it's, do, do you think, do you think that as a venture capitalist, right, as a venture capitalist, and, and I don't know the answer to this question, you know, we're looking at, you know, uh, applying to, you know, applying and getting our DIGA for our product within a, a narrow uh, definition um, version. So we're thinking about that building something specifically, but in the back of my head, will the investment community, you know, it's a long-term play. So will they value that? You know, just like if I get a medical device, if I was at a biotech company, they might value myself moving through clinical uh, trials or, you know, getting some kind of FDA clearance. Do you think the VCs value it? I, I think it can only really speak for us here. So, so don't want to generalize too much, but I believe, um, I believe that we would not value it too much at this point in time. And why so? Because A, I think these questions, question marks about go-to-market distribution risks and also price point. Um, uh, and we've seen too many pitch decks where the word DIGA is thrown around, that it has almost a bad connotation of people not really having an understanding on what that does it actually mean. But that's the general answer. I think with respect to your approach there, and I think giving also the stage and the, the, the strategy of your company, I think that could be completely different. And it could make total sense to say, well, we have a couple of, let's say, monetization playbooks, and one of them right. includes the DIGA solution. And that right. makes strategically sense for us, ABC. Then I think it can have a very positive effect. But generally, uh, I'd say we've, we've seen it thrown around a little bit too much without maybe thinking it through enough. Right. Maybe, but, right. It but, feels but, like a nirvana. It, you're chasing it. You're chasing this kind of, hey, if I get this, then everything will be sorted. And it's just not that easy. You're, right you're looking at Jim as a, an additional revenue stream in Germany, right? Not your yeah. necessarily core. hundred percent. Like I, yeah. I, and I have to, I have to believe I'm not alone in this regard. You know, first we were so excited. I remember being at Frontiers and it was announced and we're like, oh, finally a pathway, you know, that has clarity and, you know, and, and, you know, in German efficiency to it and all that stuff. And we're so excited about it. And then as you dig in and as it gets implemented, it has all the, you know, the challenges that any new system would have. So I look, you know, do I put resources into that? You know, a, you know, do I put resources and go through that process, which is not an insignificant investment of time and resources and capital, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, and then what do I get at the end of that product? You know, so, so do I get a shot at distribution is really, you know, but if, but if the, investment community said, hey, this is going to be huge someday. You know, so if there was a view, this is going to be huge someday and getting DIGA is like getting, you know, a class one medical device or an FDA clearance or, uh, you know, NHSX or whatever the equivalent is in another market. I just think the market's not that mature yet. 
doesn't really look at it that way. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, uh, also maybe we just take the, the lazy position here, right? We currently say, let's give the market another maybe six months, right? 12 months and, and look at it a little bit longer. And then I guess the price topic will at least have more transparency to it. And, and then I guess the distribution topic, I also believe at some point it will solve itself. Um, giving that more and more doctors are aware of those solutions, more and more prescription have been done. And I think maybe it gets like a snowballing effect. But maybe just to pick up on it, um, uh, one aspect how we look at it is if, if, if we look, the key bottleneck is distribution, right? I think we've seen a couple of um, business models in Europe that say, well, then we are ourselves the distribution channel. And I mean, we have telehealth. Right. So and, and, and that's why we find it attractive at the moment. If you combine telehealth and Diga, for example, um, and maybe even some other, let's say, therapeutic op options you might have. But Diga definitely can be one. Then you might actually can build them if it's regulatory allowed an end to end, let's say, pathway for the patient. Right. You can catch him somewhere online. You can get him into your telehealth funnel. You can then end with a prescription, which can be for a digital solution or even something that sends you to the pharmacy, right? We, we like to call those um, models uh, vertically integrated microproviders, BIMPROs. We actually coined the term because we like, that's actually maybe really solving A for telehealth, the um, unit economics topic, because telehealth usually is not too largely reimbursed. And on the DIGA or uh, therapeutic side, you solve the distribution channel. Right. And, and that in itself, we believe, can also create some, some large scale companies. And in that sense, I guess it can be highly attractive to have a DIGA because then you have a way to monetize your, let's say, the own products you develop there. Anyway, that's Lovely. a little bit how we think about it. So I think entrepreneurs will, will, will lead us the way. They, they will figure out what is the best route. Oh, and it's also, I mean, if you think about it, uh, entrepreneurs always told focus on something very specific, start there, right? But now, and we've always said this in health tech, right? You know, point solutions were never enough, but in order to service that particular market, right, you need to focus. Well, now it's definitely not enough. And all of these technologies are coming in and everybody wants to be the front door to health, right? Um, and all of a sudden, you know, when... When the C-19 hit, right, um, that became the only door to health. Um, so, I know, <laughs> C-19. <laughs> um, but say it again. So, Vim, so describe it again, because I, 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 I saw it. So, Vimpro, just repeat that again. Yeah, so, so basically, um, in the end, it's basically an end-to-end -end solution for the patient. And, and one of the easy examples, in my view, is a dermatolo dermatology company that says, Hey, people with acne, for example, they have a very um, like a challenging pathway usually to find the right treatment, right? They go maybe start with the GP, get sent to the dermatologist, uh, get sent to the pharmacy, first product doesn't work, back to the dermatologist, back to the pharmacy. So it's sometimes, I don't know, five to 10 touch points before you find something that solves it for you. In that sense, I think a solution is great if you can do it from your couch at home, right? You get a, an assessment, you fill out some questions, maybe take a picture, get a prescription, maybe even personalized, online pharmacy, get it sent home, take it for a week, take a couple of pictures, doesn't work, put it in there, get another uh, solution sent home, right? So that's the, let's say, classical with a, with a cream or whatever you get there. That's like a vertically integrated micro provider for us because you have the provider part, you have a, also a, a monetizable, let's say, product in it. 
but I think well, don't um, don't forget to add a don't forget to add a health coach and lifestyle changes that can potentially help reduce that with nutritional products and da da da. I had to throw that. I think that's yeah. No, I think that's a great point you make because in the end, uh, I think uh, a lot of diseases can be at least um, managed to a certain degree by lifestyle changes, right? So I think that, and that can be integrated as well, right? Like just to, I don't know, have an app and integrate an additional coach, I think is, is very easy to do. Um, but but coming back also, when I, I started, of course, talking about it coming from the DGAS, I guess we looked, A, I think that's from a patient perspective, amazing, right? Like really convenience, we all look for. I think if, if I could manage anything else like that, great. Um, and and then we, of course, look, what are the other business models out there? There's telehealth, right? That at least in Germany does not provide interesting unit economics. You have high customer acquisition costs still, and the reimbursement codes for, uh, for a phone call are not attractive enough, and it's very transactional. So you have to reacquire each customer, right? Mm -hmm. So... Telehealth not really solved yet. On the other hand, you have those DGAS. I think sometimes 500 euros, so big, big basket size. But on the other hand, like you have a hard time getting it into the people's hands. So why not basically throw it maybe together and you build your online telehealth uh, solution. And then in the end, of course, like you have to see if it's the right prescription then, right? But prescribe maybe DGAS. Maybe that you even develop in your own, let's say, company. And then I guess you have this also, again, vertically integrated solution um, that can also have a health coach or a monitoring. And I mean, in the end, it's all about patient outcomes, right? So I Love think it. those solutions, and we've seen it in the US. So one example we always like to, to make there is, um, and if I may quickly share that here, it's called Cerebro. So Cerebro is, a, is, in our view, a Vimpro who does that for mental health, right? And they... Get you into the funnel if you have. They just raised like problems. 120 million, right, or something. Or yeah, fa fastest, yeah, fastest uh, unicorn to our uh, knowledge uh, in, in digital health, and they basically get into the funnel. There's first an assessment, and there's a psychologist, there's or, or a mental health coach, but if necessary, there's also a psychiatrist, and then basically they they funnel you into the right pathway that helps you fast and convenient. And the beauty now is, as far as I've heard, is that they have data that they show, they have better outcomes with data that the, that, that the healthcare systems now want to work with them. Um, and I think that's, that's also what, what we believe can be possible, right? Because all those online solutions, if you combine the right elements, you hopefully gather the data to show that your outcomes are better. And it's not, not just only convenience. And if you achieve that, I think also the payers are very open to pay the bills. So I'm actually curious, right, because and this is kind of a little bit of the chicken and the egg. So I agree with you. I'm very much focused on mental health, and there's a number of players. But guess what, right? Um, the person that might be, you know, early onset of anxiety uh, in that focus, well, the anxiety might be because they were just also diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, right? Uh, and I'm, I'm making this up, right? And, of course, we have that vertical provider, a.k.a. at the time was Livongo, Berta, and I mean, keep going, right? Um, and so to me, the Vipro concept, it's like, is there a super Vipro <laughs> that did you see? And then how good are they? Because then to me, that's, uh, that's an optum that has 500 ships moving, right? And then- But I have, a, I have a counter question to that, right? Sure. And I think that's clear, comorbidities, let's call it like this. I think it's obvious yeah. issue there. My, like, how would you say, I think at the moment I look at digital health, more in the sense of like, it has great applications to a broad set of, people of the population. It's not solving edge cases. It's not improving the best care at the, like with the best doctors, with the best set of doctors. I think we are not there yet, but if we, let's say on a population level, increase 
like let's say the the, the liberal um, delivery of healthcare, we really achieve a lot on the population level. But but I think on an individual level, that sometimes I fully agree might not solve the perfect case. That actually is I don't know a completely different reason for a depression that is that is breaking out. But I, in the end, I think as always in entrepreneurship, we can't solve all right at the beginning. No, no, but no I think we'll no, get no. there. But how do you look at that? Is that is digital health maybe uh, more of a like population, let's say incremental increases, but that have a big impact on a population level, but on an individual level, I mean, it's not biotech, right? It's not the next big um, innovation right. of, a, of a drug that cures a, a disease. It feels like digital health, like, you know, and you know, you hear all these tripes about, um, you know, you know, the word digital health, but it's this idea that we have a, you know, a calcified health delivery system perspective, you know, how we do things that's based on you know, a rigidity that just existed for a long time before we had software and we had all had phones in our pockets and we all had these systems. So there's just so many ways to tackle this challenge of introducing, you know, software algorithms, new ways of thinking, like your Vimpro model that, um, you know, my perspective on it is, is the, the system is, doesn't want the innovation in some ways. The system's calcified. It's stuck in its ways. It's trying to do that. And our job is to kind of find those pinpoints and kind of grow, you know, land and expand inside of it, you know? I'll be frank with you. I don't even know what digital health is anymore, right? Because what was it? Bright Health, the largest digital health IPO and kudos to the early investors and the team. I mean, really amazing. Is it really digital health? It's another insurance player, right? Granted a more modern one, right? Like, et cetera. And of right. course, digital is everywhere now. So I don't even know how to answer that question. I think at it's the a, end of it's the a day- movement. It's a movement, man. It's a movement. It was, it's a movement. It, it was a movement until it became, I think, when one of, one of the shots were joking around. Once the suits are in, it's no longer digital or not. It's just health and health services right. and modern yeah, health services that are using technology, right? Yeah, I, I hope modernizing. I'm not that suit you talk about, right? <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Hey, listen, uh, all, all power. I have a few of those hanging somewhere. So, uh, all good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, um, Anyway, so I, I mean, I, I'd love to just want, before we go to Jim's famous question at the end, I actually, um, I want to maybe sample like, uh, I don't even know, to be honest, your portfolio, Eckhart, like maybe just kind of blur it out and some for the entrepreneurs, some of the reasons why you guys invest in how it fits in. Just a minute or two. Sure. Um, I think it would be helpful for the other entrepreneurs. Yeah, I try, I try to do it quick and fast. And of course, I really do love my, our portfolio, right? I think it's, it's yeah. really, really uh, uh, cool, cool companies and entrepreneurs. So I would say two main areas, I think more like technical innovation and more business model innovation. Um, and I think on the tech innovation side, uh, two, two crazy, crazy things people try. One is brain writing technology. So it's called surrogate and they um, have uh, an understanding on how to um, develop software that uses, I don't know, um, um, uh, brain implants or, or other, let's say, neural um, implants to write code wow. into your brain and then basically uh, uh, help you live with symptoms of, of uh, severe diseases. And the other one is called Moray Medical. They develop like a small Moray device um, that can basically repair, um, for example, heart valves. 
and and they do that with uh, augmented reality solutions. So you, I don't want to call it almost play um, doctor or surgeon on your phone, but that's a little bit what, what they at least target, right? Um, so really cool tech innovation there. And then more on the business innovation innovation model side, I guess one is um, RV Medical. It's a full stack GP platform, right? So they build practices, they build software. They really want to put it all together. I think that's that's what we often need in, in healthcare to drive innovation. We have Axio completely on the other side, which is um, similar also, I guess, to, to what you are doing in the US, like helping coaches in whatever way to, to reach their audience. I think also really cool developments there. We have a new one that I can't announce, but it, it might be closer to the Vimpro um, developments we, we really like. Um, uh, what else do we have? We have um, Live Now in, in, in the USA, uh, which is, oh, it's, actually, no, it's actually Canada, which does a really cool um, mental health monitoring solution. It's a, it's a small widget that can integrate it in any, let's say, smartphone app and with the, like high accuracy, tell you your mental health scores. Uh, we have, oh yeah, our early ones, of course, Silo, which is a, um, a messaging tool for doctors. Um, and I think really, really cool network effects there, of course. Uh, and we have Informatica, a great symptom checking solution. Yeah. Um, and we know, of course, a couple of those uh, really, really like what they are building there. And um, yeah, now I actually have to think if I've forgotten one and I feel I have. Uh, <laughs> they, they, they will forgive you because we put you on the spot and and you and yeah, you exactly. and you and you cya yourself by saying i love all the portfolio companies so right all, all we can add it to comments yeah. we can add it to comments if you want <laughs> all right cool so, mr joyce i'll, I'll so you're the last one off to you so eckhart you're a 27 year old um uh with a law degree living in in munich and thinking about moving to berlin and you're a a son or your son of a pharmacist and a doctor, and you're starting up a digital healthcare company, um, what advice would you, would you give that person? And A, first, when I heard you were a 27 year old, I was like, great, <laughs> like, works well today, the, the hairstyle. No, but yes, if, if I were back the 27 year old student, uh, I think the advice I would give, give myself is A, do it, really do it. I think it's, it's, it's probably, uh, it hasn't been a, a better time to, to be an entrepreneur to be an entrepreneur in technology and in healthcare. So I think like that is the, the first thing I would recommend. The other one is, uh, and I briefly actually thought about uh, again today, what would I actually uh, maybe build as a company? And, and finally, recently I, I wear this um, continuous blood pressure monitor actually um, of a Swiss company. Um, and uh, uh, sorry, um, and, and, and just basically, so, I, so from my family side, I, I know that we have a little bit of high blood pressure in the family. So I wanted to look at that, right? So I guess I would say um, there are, I think, uh, widespread like early signs that that are leading people on, on a negative path towards, let's say, like, long-term healthcare or health, right? And I think um, for myself or for that person, I would recommend maybe look into that. Maybe what is what can do you really feel you can have a mission-driven approach to? And then just talk to as many people as possible in the early stages and understand what are the people's and involved stakeholders' pain points. Um, because often I feel um, that solutions could a, a little bit address that better, right? So uh, uh, when I basically try to look into that a little bit more, I don't actually know where to start. Like, so I started listening to podcasts about blood pressure. I, of course, looked at what solutions are out there. And I think it all comes, and that is also, I guess, where my heart lies down to like user experience. And I think we, we have to bring the user experience we have in all other life areas uh, and especially now with those fast delivery uh, companies that bring you all your food in 10 minutes at least in berlin like i mean we i think should bring that to healthcare and i think we have the tool set 
And uh, I think this 27-year-old person should, should, I think, try to put that all together. And then I think that can develop solutions that A, everybody wants, needs, and also payers will reimburse. And yeah, and I'll be the first one to invest. Love it. <laughs> Phenomenal. Good, good, Phenomenal. Good wise words. Last question, just to make sure, that was uh, Actia, right, the, on your wrist? Yes, that's an Actia okay. one, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, interesting, interesting solution. Yeah, looking forward to getting back to Europe to get it, just that. So thank yeah, you yeah. very much for joining. Um, and thank you for having me. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And Love to all the listeners and viewers, subscribe, follow, uh, and rewind all the way back to a sponsored message. Yeah, <laughs> <Phenomenal>. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Danke schön. Danke schön. Danke schön. Have a great evening and enjoy.